and welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Z. And this week we are going to be discussing Episode 7, Hookman, which, as we all know, is loosely based on the urban legend of the Hookman who traps those unsuspecting women who have loose morals. Mm -hmm. So... With that in mind, Donna, do you want to tackle the female aspect of this episode? You know, I've actually got an entire rant. Do you want me to start this episode with an entire rant? You go for it. Okay. So, last episode, the only female character was not much of a character. And this episode, this character was maybe a little better, but not much. And so I sat down and I did some research. And here is what I discovered. Hookman was written by John Shibben. That may not be how to pronounce his name, and I apologize, John, even though I'm getting ready to say bad things about you. Skin, which we did not like, was written by John Shibben. Wendigo, which is an episode we really enjoyed, was written by Ron Milbauer and Terry Hughes. And that's Terry with an I, so I believe that's a woman. And Dead in the Water, another episode we really liked, was written by Sarah Gamble and Raylan Tucker, which I'm willing to bet are both women. (laughs) Sarah is. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so then we're going to go back to Andrea from Dead in the Water, and I'm going to challenge you to tell me who Andrea is without a relationship to a man. We will say that Lucas is not a man. Well, she's a mother, since you bring up Lucas. Yeah. But she's also, she's caring. I think she's... Pretty independent. She's lived in the town all her life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which for a small town is mm-hmm. typical. Right. And she's pretty, I would say she's pretty strong because she just lost her husband. And, and she's, she's carrying on. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Haley from Wendigo. In fact, if Haley knew about supernatural stuff, she would have been more competent than either Sam or Dean. Mm-hmm. Haley yeah. was a very competent character. Absolutely. Yes. And then we go to Becky. Mm-hmm from Skin, who has no existence whatsoever without her relationship to a man. She's, what was her brother's name, Travis? Zach. Zach. She's Zach's sister. She's Sam's friend from school. She she simply does not exist without her relationship to a man. And the same is pretty much true with Lori. Does not have an existence without her relationship to a man. I feel like these last two episodes are kind of... Because the reason I have this discussion every episode is because Supernatural has a bad reputation for its treatment of women. And I was I was having, earlier in the season, I was having a why. It's handling these female characters great. And then we get to these two episodes and start going, oh, I think this is why. So I'm really going to put a lot of this on the writers. When Lori is introduced, she's introduced as Lori Sorensen, the preacher's daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, so she goes to school there. It's not yeah. like this such and such major. It's not, you know, Taylor's roommate mm-hmm. or anything. Like, not mm-hmm. even in relation to another female. It's the preacher's daughter. Well, and which, she's... Sorry. Which, like, trope-wise has sexuality attached to it. Yeah, right? it is a, yeah. it is an entire trope in and of itself. Well, and we deal with the fact that whenever we first see her, she's dressed up in this Sunday school, school marm... Mm-hmm. Like, button up to the throat. I'm surprised that it didn't have an Elizabethan collar on it outfit. And, of course, then she gets to change into the slutty outfit that, you know, that she's actually going to wear so that, you know, she can present herself as a woman, I Mm -hmm. guess, at that point. And so it's just... 
And I know that we're dealing with the Hookman, and I know that there's a legend that is surrounding that, that it's it's a morality tale where, you know, girls who are impure or loose or whatever, bad things happen to them. So don't be a bad girl. Don't be a slut. Be the little, you know, the preacher's daughter who's the good girl. And But yeah, she just was not a character. Also, they had her change on screen. That's really... Like, like, okay, so I have this thing that I do whenever I go to see action movies, whether I rate it if it's a good movie or if it's a dick flick, which is like the opposite of a chick flick, which is where there's <laughs> extreme, there's unnecessary explosions. If there's uh, really fast paced music with a scene that doesn't necessarily need the fast paced music to make it seem more intense. And if there's a half naked chick. And right then and there, when I, when she turns around and she goes to change into the sluttier, quote unquote, sluttier mm. outfit, I was like, oh man, this is going to be a dick flick because mm-hmm. he's already half naked. Yeah. Now I will say the one thing that I like about this, and of course we learn over the course of the episode why it is that this is happening, but I like the fact that whenever they are in the car... Uh, she and her boyfriend and I just, I can't remember his name right now to save my life. I don't think it was her boyfriend. I think it was just... Oh, just dude. the guy she was going to date. But when they're in the car, of course, this is where, you know, the hook man typically in the legend kills both of them mm-hmm. or kills the girl and the guy gets away, you know... To tell just, the story. Yeah, exactly. But in this aspect of it, Lori is the one who survives. Lori even survives getting out of the car and running from the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. back to town. And so I thought that that was a good way to kind of redeem the crappy writing for her character. Mm -hmm. I liked the fact that they turned that on its head. Except that. that she was safe, well, relatively safe in the car. Mm. And she left the car. Yeah. But it was out of concern for the guy that she was with. Mm-hmm. And plus, I mean, at that point, let, let's face it. If the hookman wanted to get in, hookman's going to get in. I mm-hmm. mean, what, what's glass to, you know, a supernatural hook? Mm-hmm. So, and of course, like I said, we, we do learn over the course of the episode why this is happening. But I, I think, too, that that was part of her characterization is that she is the caring person. She is the one who wants to help others. I guess mm-hmm. I just I liked the fact that she didn't die yes. because of what I would I there's no way in hell I'm ever getting out of a car I'm like if you disappear you disappear I'll be here in the morning <laughs> so right. you know. no I would have driven away okay yeah, that's a, tire oh man but who cares who cares yes, he he punctured the back tire oh you're right who cares the rim is still round <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with Z. I'll ruin that rim. <laughs> I don't give a shit. So, so what, the lesson from this is don't ever go anywhere scary with us because, number one, we don't have to outrun it. We just have to outrun you. And we will leave your ass in the middle of nowhere for dead. So okay. just, you know, Absolutely just so you know well. where you're coming from if you go anywhere with us. You get about 60 seconds and then I'm gone. <laughs> exactly. Right. You get out of the car, that's your bed. I'm gone. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't matter if you're hanging from a tree, if you're drowned in a lake, or... You gotta get out to go pee. I don't care. Don't get out of the car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, just be fast. Exactly. Okay. Anyway, so does anyone remember the show Frasier? Yes. yes. <laughs> Her dad was Bulldog from Frasier. Oh my God. That's oh! right. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now that we've had that familiar. blast from the past. Yeah. 
So Z, as we said there, this is based on a legend. Do you have anything to discuss for like the mythical creature or the mythology behind what it, the episode is based on? Even though I didn't hear this story as a, as a kid, I know that it is such a common story and it's almost like part of American culture. Right. That it's in Spongebob. Like there's an episode of a guy with a hooked hand. And I can't remember, he has some crazy name, but that I think was my only exposure to the Hookman story when I was younger. But yeah, I am slacking. So to pick up your slack, funny story, <laughs> I don't know if either of you or anybody in the audience has ever moved bales of hay, but they have the mm-hmm. hay hooks and it's the usually the wooden handle with the hook coming out of the middle of it. You drive it into either end and you can carry the hay bale. Mm-hmm. Well, part of the the legend as I learned it was that it was a hay hook because let's face it, I grew up in rural Oklahoma and that's pretty much what you're going to be talking about because that's what people understand. Yep. And so one of my first exposures to this was a family member and I don't even remember now who it was. I think it was my dad or my uncle playing a prank where we were sitting in an old car. My brothers and I were sitting in an old car and didn't see them walk up and they start dragging the hay hook down the side of the car. And so, yeah, that was that was like my first exposure to, to this legend. So even though Lori's kind of a crappy character, I, I really like this episode because of, you know, kind of like what we discussed with the Bloody Mary episode. There's a personal connection. It's nostalgic. It's a, it's, a, it's a creepy, like, oh my God, I can't believe my dad or uncle actually did that. But at the same time, it, it is what it is. So Was it was it loud when you were in the car? Was oh it like, God, yes. Okay, see, I wanted to point that out because in the beginning, she just stands there or sits in the car and she just looks around and I'm like, that's really loud for me, like with these these headphones in. Like, how are you not like covering your ears or anything? Yeah, it, it was very loud, especially because, I mean, you've got like metal on metal Ugh, and that yeah. noise just by itself. I mean, just getting two pieces of metal and rubbing them together is super loud. Yeah. yeah. But whenever you put the the pointed end into it and you're just like gouging through metal, yeah, it it gets kind of loud. Yeah. Really super scary too. So. (laughs) (laughs) Donna, was there, I I know that we're coming up on a break here pretty quick, but was there anything else about Lori and her shoddy writing that you wanted to point out really briefly before we get to our break there was a thing at the end of the episode and we're not really going in chronological order here are we nah we're we're spoiling within the episode just as long as we don't spoil future episodes here's here's i think the thing that left me the most pissed off they're in iowa they are in ankeny iowa i've been to ankeny iowa it's right by des moines It's not that special. (laughs) But Iowa is actually a fair bit like Oklahoma. And I mention that because a preacher's daughter in Oklahoma knows how to load a fucking shotgun. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So Sam has been injured. He's he's got one arm that he can use. And he is there struggling with this double barrel shotgun to load it with one hand and then fire it with one hand. And I think not only should he have handed it to her, I think she should have taken it from him. Agreed. She, she didn't even pick up the shells because yeah. Dean throws the shells and then a couple of, you can hear them hit the floor and she just sits there on the on the floor yeah. like, oh God, what are we going to do? Oh no. Like with this look of horror I on know, her she, face. She was utterly helpless. She was utterly worthless. And I'm just saying, if she actually grew up in Iowa, she knows what the fuck to do with a shotgun. Yeah. There you go. She also, just bad acting. Yeah. She was not... She wasn't really convincing. You're right. I yeah. think I think she may have been hired because she could scream. 
That's yeah, possible. She, yeah. But I have actually written twice that she is awfully chipper. First for having seen her boyfriend slaughtered, and then for having seen her roommate slaughtered. She's just bouncing around with a happy smile and perky hair. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, a quick ability to be macking on Sam. Which, I mean, let's face it, so would <laughs> I. Wouldn't but, I. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, definitely. It's like, oh, hey, all these people are murdered. Oh, kiss me. I mean, if Sam said to kiss mm-hmm. him, I, I, you know, <laughs> who am I to tell Sam no? Right? I, just, I mean, it would be rude. It would just be rude. Exactly. I mean, mass genocide behind me, Sam in front of me. Okay, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, as promised, we are going to go ahead and take a break right now. Well, I am going to ask you first to stop what you're doing, go to iTunes, and give us a rate, review, and a subscribe, or Google Play, or whatever you do to get your podcast. Rate us and review us. That helps us out so much. And if you say nice things about it, it makes us super happy. Uh, I want you to think about maybe tweeting about us or telling your friends about us, because we are fun and funny and smart and insightful, and your friend would appreciate that. We do have three sister podcasts. There's Collective Snark, which is a pop culture podcast. There's Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, A Good Ghoul's Guide to Horror, which is all about horror movies. And then there is Once More with Feeling, a 20th anniversary Buffy fancast. You can learn more about those podcasts and us by interacting with us on social media. You can find all of the Snark casts on Tumblr at snarkcasts.tumblr.com. And then you can find this podcast, The Family Business, on Instagram at The Family Business underscore SPN Fancast, and on Twitter at TFB underscore SPN Fancast. And you can find all of us on GumbyCatNetworks.com. It's a whole family of fun, kind of nerdy podcasts. There's Dungeons and Dragons podcasts, there's art and culture, there's books, TV, film just general nerdiness. I'm going to tell you about one called Majidae, which is all about anime. I'm going to suggest you go see that. I have a trope I want to discuss. Can okay. I talk about a trope? Sure. Let's talk about a trope, and then I want to discuss Dean's homophobia. In, in this episode? Yes, in this episode. Okay. There was a moment when Dean was showing Sam his shotgun shells loaded with salt, And Sam demonstrated perfectly the as-you-know-Bob trope as he was like, oh, salt is a spirit deterrent. So a thing that they both know perfectly well, Sam felt the need to articulate because we don't know that. And I will say I made made note of this actually because (laughs) this, as far as I know, is the first mention and usage of salt as the spirit deterrent. Mm-hmm. It is, because I, I think I remember mentioning it in the first episode where they talk about the cat's eye shells, which we never see ever again. Right. And we don't talk about salt. Right. So, yes. Yes. Yes, you're right that that is the trope, but I think that they had to do it in this mm-hmm. instance because it hadn't been established yet. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it could have been handled better. That's all. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of cute. I almost wish they would have said, as you know, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, they, I mean, the actors, though, they played it off pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was very clearly an as you know, but they did. They were just kind of like, oh, da, 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 da. like, here, let's get Sam back in the, the swing of things. I also yeah. think this is the first time we see them burning the bones and it not working. Uh huh. Yes. They mentioned burning the bones. I believe this is the first time we actually see them so, yeah. burn the bones. And this is the first time it doesn't work. And speaking of burning the bones, I thought of a question with this in that whenever they burn the bones, do they rebury the <laughs> grave that they dug up? And it's actually answered within this episode in that Dean says that he, after he burned, after he salted and burned the bones, he buried them with a ton of salt. More salt. All right. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. that answered that question that I hadn't remembered that they had actually answered all these years ago in that not only do they salt and burn the bones, but when they're finished, they salt the crap out of them again and then bury the grave. So I thought that was really interesting. Something else I noticed. We did a episode of Collective Snark where we talked about Supernatural, and I'm pretty sure I talked about this then and not here. But one thing I've found really interesting. Jared Padalecki has an amazing body. He's very muscular. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously spends a lot of time working on that. But Sam, they dress him in these oversized baggy clothes, which I assume is to make him look younger, to make him look smaller, and to make him and Jensen look more like they could possibly be brothers. But in at the end of this episode, there's a shot of him with the bandage on his arm. And man, mm. you could have used that arm for an, an anatomy textbook. You could name the <laughs> muscles in his forearm. Mm. Every cow loves you. Look it up. <laughs> it's a mnemonic. I, I had a feeling. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't think that you were actually telling me that, you know, cows love me, although I'm sure they do. I mean, they give their lives for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Weird little tangent there. So yeah, I just I I think this is the first time we've really gotten a good look at what they have put a lot of effort into covering up. Can I also point out something about our two leading men's bodies? In this episode and in the last episode, we see Dean without his jacket on, which is longer than the one that Sam wears. Sam's comes mm-hmm. comes to his hips. It's a little bit baggy in the middle, but it's a bit tighter in, on, at the bottom. And Dean's is very straight. It comes down to probably about mid-thigh, and it's, it's a bit bigger. And we don't ever often see him without it on, but in the last episode, the skinwalker takes it from him. And then in this episode, he takes it off to, to dig the grave, and I just... <sighs> I need him to take that jacket off more. <laughs> he wears the hell out of that t-shirt. Well, and, and one thing that we didn't discuss with Skin was the fact that we do have Dean ripping off his shirt, and you get a very nice look at, mm. obviously, the skin that is beneath <laughs> that shirt. So. Indeed. Indeed. So it's funny that we're talking about this. I am going to use that as a segue into discussing Dean's homophobia. And so uh, I will be discussing this probably a little bit more on the next episode. But with this episode, I noticed it coming out whenever they are pretending to be fraternity members from out of town. They go in and we see the guy trying to paint his body for whatever spirit week, spirit day, pep rally, whatever it is that he's going to go to. Mm -hmm. And he asks Dean to help him. And Dean, I don't remember exactly what he says because I, I was just like flabbergasted 
But he was like, I don't, I don't do this, but Sam will be more than willing to help you out. He's really good with a brush. He's more the artist than I am. Yeah. And, I mean, while that's not exactly, I mean, like, textbook, oh my god, in-your-face homophobia, I definitely think that it is problematic, and it, it's part of, it's part of what the writers, I think, have to do with Dean. Dean has to be a womanizer. Dean has to turn everything into sex. And Dean has to be this macho, almost toxic guy. And the fact that he might do something, even if it is like in the in the process of garnering information that's going to help them with the case that they're working on, he can't overcome that even just a little bit. He's mm-hmm. got to push everything off onto Sam. While I like the show, while I like the characters, while I like everything about it, it's those instances where they just have to almost shove it in your face that is kind of off-putting to me. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe it's just me. I, I will say that I'm not I'm not one to scream, oh my god, homophobia, oh my god, you hate gays, oh my god, this and that. But I, I think it was kind of blatant, or at least to me it felt blatant. It's interesting that you say that because when you, you mentioned earlier that you were going to discuss homophobia, I think Z and I both were like, in this episode? But as soon as you mentioned the scene that they walked in the room, I was like, oh, I know what he means. Yeah. Like, I I totally get what you're talking about because that's that plus a lot of the other things that we see from him. It definitely seems to form a trend of, of Dean being a little homophobic. But also at the same time, I have had the misfortune of being at a frat house. And the smell, the smell... The smell. And I did not want to high five or fist bump or get anywhere near their bodies. I cannot imagine approaching one without a shirt on and painting his back. And that being said, I am not male, but by birth I am female. And if a female asked me to paint her body, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I would be like, sure, why not? And I don't know if maybe that's just because females tend to not have that toxic masculinity there and right. there's not that problem or what. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't paint a strange man's back either. Well, but I think that it says a lot for Sam in that in those instances, Sam just kind of gives Dean this WTF look. And then in this instance, he just, he takes the brush and he's like going at it and he's using it as a means to interrogate this guy to get all of this information that they absolutely Mm -hmm. need. And so I think that in that aspect, it makes Dean look almost more dickish than, Uh than what he really is. You know what just occurred to me though, is that one of the character aspects they just pound again and again and again is Dean is family focused and Sam is trying to get away from the family. Right. So the fact that Dean would reject doing something that got him close to somebody who wasn't mm. family. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, no, I, I, I see where you're coming mm-hmm. from. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing. Mm-hmm. I'm. That's my... Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Where Sam would be less reluctant to become close to somebody who right. wasn't family. Well, and, and Sam has more practice of it. Sam went to college. Sam mm-hmm. had friends. Sam had, you know, Jess as his roommate. And obviously girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, I can see I can see that aspect of it. It doesn't it doesn't make me hate the homophobia any less, right. but I, I definitely see where you're coming from yeah. on that. And I don't think we're being spoilery to say. I mean, his, throughout the series, Dean has that, oh, I'm not gay. Right. Thing. Mm-hmm. Although he does get 
better. He does get better. And I don't know if it's because the writers are like, uh, holy shit, we should probably tone this down because we have lots of gay fans, or if it just was a natural growth that everybody wanted Dean to kind of go through. I don't know. Maybe it's a little A, a little B. I think it's a little of both in much the same way that their treatment of female characters has improved vastly. Yeah. Over the course of several seasons. Absolutely. Uh, Dean's. Um, on the other hand, Dean's gone from being 25 to 37. And an awful lot of stuff chills out from 25 to 37. So <laughs> yeah, it may be he's just not that concerned about it anymore. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and we're also looking for an older man. So. so one thing that I usually touch on uh, is how Dean says, I love you, or shows I love you. In this episode, it was right at the very end. I had to actually turn on the subtitles because I don't know what was going on, but I could not understand the line to save my life. But... Dean is in the car, is watching Sam and Lori in the rearview mirror. There's obviously that connection that's there that we discussed earlier because nothing brings you closer to Sam than watching two people be murdered. And (laughs) so Sam comes and he gets in the car and Dean says, we could stay. And Sam just shakes his head and they drive off. And I think that's very telling because Dean doesn't say, you could stay. He says, we could stay. And I think that I'm actually getting goosebumps. That's weird. Uh, so I think that that's that, that strong connection again and, and Dean realizing how important this connection is to Sam, mm-hmm. especially after Jess's death and, and the fact that, you know, Sam is saying all along, I need to find Jess's killer, not, hey, we really do need to find dad. It's mm-hmm. I need to find Jess's killer. And so I think that that, was probably one of the most heartfelt ways that Dean could have showed Sam that he cared about him and loved him was by offering for both of them to stay mm-hmm. for Sam's sake with Lori. I agree. There was another one. It's not It's not as amazing as that or, or heartfelt, but it was low-key. After Taylor's murder, when they go back to the house, Taylor being Lori's roommate, right. after her murder, they go to the ha- the sorority house and they're sneaking around out back. And then there's a couple of girls that come out the side door and Dean immediately pushes Sam behind him, like without even a second thought. And Dean is like half exposed, hanging off the side of this house. Right. He immediately pushes Sam behind him. Yeah. And that was like another, another low key thing. Right. So that if he was spotted only... He mm-hmm. would be spotted. Absolutely. I can agree and the, with that. The way that, that Dean isn't afraid to interact with the police, even though in the last episode, a sketch of him and his name was released to the right. police, granted 100 miles away. Is there anything else that you guys want to discuss? I kind of want to sign off. point out a small little thing. Sure. Uh, they talk about... He was this Jacob Carnes fella, the legend that has, this is his, the beginning of the legend. Right. Uh, which I really like that line at the beginning where he says, all legends have a place of beginning. I like the way that that was phrased. But um, anyways, he talks about how he's buried in an unmarked grave and Dean is walking through this, this graveyard and he's like, let me look for this unmarked grave. And then there's a gravestone marking this grave. <laughs> where this guy that has a very distinctive <laughs> mark. 
On the gravestone. Yes. Yeah, where typically I, unmarked grave means they just dug a hole, threw them in it, covered it up, and walked away. When, uh, when I was younger, we paid a buttload, we as in the family, paid a buttload of money to have an ancestor located. He'd been married with his two wives, and, or buried with his two wives and stuff, and it was literally just a hump in the ground. And we were walking around, and I'm standing on this hump, because I was like maybe six or seven, and uh, my grandma goes, get off, you're on your great-grandfather's grave. And I was like... Huh? And I just kind of like looked down at the ground. It's just a rock. And she's like, you're standing on his bones. And I just like, I like freaked out. But yeah, when they say unmarked grave, they literally mean just the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All right, Donna, any parting thoughts that you have? Uh, only if we could spend another few minutes talking about Jared Padalecki's body. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that. I'm pretty sure most people have access to Google and they would much rather look at Jared Padalecki's body than hear us talk about it. Do that. Just do that. (laughs) (laughs) And to Genevieve, we apologize. Your husband's gorgeous. And of course you know it, but yeah. (laughs) So, all right, guys. Well, we are going to go ahead and sign off. Please join us next week when we will be discussing episode eight entitled Bugs. So until then, everybody, carry on. Jerk. Bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people.